Minister for Public Spending and Reform Pascal Donoghue will be bringing an updated National Development Plan to Cabinet soon. He's here to tell us what that will involve for key projects and their delivery pipeline. But to begin the controversy over the government's decision to end the eviction ban, a decision the government admits could lead to a rise in homelessness in the months ahead. Minister, good morning to you. Good morning, Anya. Uh, I want to put to you the question raised by your constituency and uh, Green Party coalition colleague Nasa Harrigan and she said in your constituency, Dublin Central, the hotels are full, the B&Bs are full. So when people get those notices to quit from the end of the month, where do they go? Yes, I'm very much aware of the very difficult consequences that a decision like this could have. But I ultimately believe that if the moratorium was extended, we would have less rental accommodation available in the future and the challenges of today would become even harder tomorrow. In direct answer to your question, this is the reason why uh, over the last number of months uh, the government has made great efforts seeing over 5,000 new social homes being built, converting 1,500 empty local authority homes into accommodation that can be used and leasing an additional 600 homes across the country. And then what we will do in constituencies like Dublin Central and all over the length and breadth of the country is through leasing and acquisition do all we can to make sure there is accommodation available for anybody who could be affected by this Mm -hmm. decision. Except John McGuinness, again, your coalition colleague, he said it was a mistake to end the band the way you did. You should have extended, you should have modified, you should have legislated. All of that should have mm-hmm. been put in first. And he said, you know, you're talking about the medium term and the long term and the housing market. Families are looking at the short term. Where are they going to live next month? And uh, this is a decision that I know has weighed heavily in all who've been involved in us. And we're very much aware of exactly the risks that you are referring to there. And sometimes in politics and government, decisions that are so hard have two qualities with them. You're trying to create a benefit or avoid something difficulty happening in the time ahead. And it's a decision that also requires an awful lot of an explanation and acknowledging that there is risk and difficulties in the short term. And this decision is certainly one of those. But to deal with, for example, the critique that was offered by my colleague, Deputy McGuinness, it is my concern and my view that if we had extended a moratorium, let's say for another quarter or for another half a year, it would have been even more difficult to get out of it at that point. And the impact on the future supply of rental accommodation would have been even worse. Okay, and, and that's what, what it looks like from your and desk. What, and what we need to do, it's not just from my desk, it's also my desk of somebody who is very active within my constituency. Absolutely. I'm meeting every day people who are affected by this. And it's also why building nearly 30,000 homes last year is ultimately the antidote to many of these okay. challenges and we need to keep I'll at that. I'll come on to some of that in a moment. But again, going back earlier in the programme, we heard from Philip Christie in Clorgan. She and her partner, they're working, they're paying taxes, Her daughter's doing their junior cert. They've got an extension to their eviction notice until a few days after that junior cert. She's doing everything she should be doing as a citizen of this country. She has nowhere to live from June. And she says, I don't know what we are going to do. There is nothing available. What should she do? Well, this is why we want to make and are making additional resources available to Kerry County Council to help them in their efforts to provide alternative accommodation. And I'm searingly aware of how many people could be and will be in those circumstances in the weeks and months ahead. 
But when we brought in the moratorium on evictions, we did make clear it was a short-term measure. And I also have a responsibility to be aware of those, uh, those families, those workers who want additional rental accommodation in the months and in the years ahead. And it's my considered judgment that if we extended the moratorium, okay. it would be even harder to mo meet those needs later on this year and in the years ahead. Right. So, Onya, I very, very much appreciate the risks, the challenges that a decision like this can create. But it's why we're going ahead in our efforts to build more homes. And it's also why we need to avoid doing things that lead to even less rental accommodation being available later okay. on this year. And we've heard a lot from you and on other ministers about uh, the tenant and situ scheme and what local authorities will be able to do. Uh, the 1,500 homes due to be bought by local authorities and housing bodies this year, uh, that's existing. The question is, what extra are you going to put in? Also, that scheme already, Sinn Féin say it's not working, the evidence, only 13 houses, properties bought out of 400 offered to Dublin local authorities in recent months. Councils apparently are only going ahead with it if the tenant has been on the waiting list for rent for eight years. The landlords say it's taking too long to get decisions from councils. We had a housing body on yesterday saying they don't know where the extra money is coming from. So it's a simple question. Are you going to expand that existing tenant in situ scheme and how much more money will local authorities and housing bodies get so that they are able to help people in this way in the months ahead? So we will do two, two things. Uh, firstly, for approved housing bodies, uh, the government agreed last week uh, changes to allow uh, to help them with the borrowing efforts they need to supply more cost rental accommodation and other forms of accommodation in the time ahead and approved housing bodies from many parts of our country are supplying between 30 and 50% of the new rental accommodation that we need. In relation to how we will deal with local authorities, for, uh, in relation to the very specific question that you put to me about them a moment ago, this is why Minister O'Brien met the local authorities last week uh, to make uh, to emphasise to them the importance of this scheme being expanded. And it's also why I've agreed with Minister O'Brien that we will, inside the housing budget that he has available to him, we will change that to make more money available to local authorities so they can expand that scheme. When In, will that money be made available? Oh, will we've, it be before made a, the budget? We've made a Cabinet decision on us that matter will be available to Minister O'Brien in the coming weeks. Okay, in and coming weeks. in relation to the particular article you're referring to, I understand within the scheme at the moment there's 382 properties currently under consideration for purchase in that scheme. Now that's not to deny the key point that you've put to me, which is that a very few of them have been purchased, which is why Minister O'Brien met the local right. authorities and it's why we'll spare no effort in making sure they're clear regarding the money that's available to them to deliver that scheme. You, you've spoken a lot again and other government ministers about the concern in the medium term about landlords leaving the market. But what about the tax treatment for small landlords and why, if this is such a big problem, why wasn't this addressed in your budgets that you have presented over the years and why are we waiting from this government, apparently it's going to be the autumn budget before Michael McGrath is willing to go ahead with changing tax treatment for small landlords. Because you have to make choices budget to budget. And in the budgets that I've brought through, 
uh, in those budgets. We've also increased the amount that we are spending in building new homes. Do you regret you didn't change the tax treatment of small landlords, that that could have kept more landlords in the market? Well, if you bear with me in just answering the question you put to me a moment ago, on balance, I believe the decisions we've got in the budgets I was involved in in different governments were right. And the reason for that is I made the decision to prioritise spending more money to make more local authority accommodation available and to allow and enable the private sector to deliver more homes. We have, over the last six to seven years now, tripled the amount of capital spending. And by capital spending, that's money in new homes, new transport infrastructure, Mm -hmm. new hospitals, which in turn is one of the reasons why we built nearly 30,000 homes last year. Nobody is denying any of that, but the fact of the matter is the scale of the need has grown faster than the measures that have been able to meet it. The Taoiseach was talking the other evening to your parliamentary party about a deficit of a quarter of a million homes. A quarter of a million homes were short. We know that new starts are down. We know that finance for new developments is hit by higher interest rates. We know that while you met your targets on house building last year, it's a big challenge for this year and you didn't meet social and affordable last year. So this is all, and we're coming up to now whatever's going to happen after the eviction ban being lifted. This is all the record of your party in power for 11 years. So on housing, doesn't the buck very much stop with Fine Gael? I've always accepted and do always accept responsibility for where our country stands as a member of government. Of course I do. I'd also make the case that if you look at where our country stands at the moment, we've come through a pandemic. We're dealing with the major costs now created by war. We've more people at work in our country than we've ever had before. And we also have public finances that are allowing us to help with a cost of living crisis and spend more on housing. So you get the credit for everything that went right, but the buck doesn't stop with you on housing? Well, actually, in what I said to you, I very specifically said to you, Anya, that I accept responsibility for all that is happening within our country and the conditions that our citizens face. And the homelessness all, all, numbers all, all I was go seek, up. All I was seeking to do is place where we are in housing in the context of other positive things the government has been involved in and also make the point that we did deliver our targets for housing last year. And even if you look at where we are at the moment, for December and for January, we've had more commencement notices, which is new homes being built per month than we've ever had before. But let me acknowledge again, as I've already done twice in the interview, because I know the effect our housing challenges are having on so many, that we need to do more, we need to do better, which is why in the forthcoming budget, but even inside this year, we are making changes to look at how we can increase the supply of new homes. But we're building more social and uh, social homes in our country than at any point since the 1970s. And our housing output is now at the highest level for many years. And we need to do better and we will. The National Development Plan, you're going to be bringing a revised memo uh, on that to Cabinet. Uh, we were hearing this week there's already controversy about 56 school developments being paused. Will your department be able to give education the money for those schools to go ahead to tender and construction and by when? So we'll work with Minister Foley in relation to this uh, and Minister Foley has already indicated the commitment that she has to delivering those schools. But the schools want a timeline. Yes, I do do appreciate that, Norm. I do appreciate that. But what we need to do is look at all of the different capital projects that we have underway across the country and make sure we have the funding in place to deliver them all. And what I will do in the coming weeks is work with Minister Foley in relation to this. And of course I can understand uh, when we're talking about a national development plan, and I should make clear, 
what I'm doing here is talking about how we can improve decisions in the plan as opposed to making more money available for us, which will wait until the budget. Of course, it's correct to point out the things that we have difficulties on, such as where we are with new schools. But we're also, for example, going ahead with a very ambitious school programme already, which has lots of new schools being open at the moment. And, for example, in higher and further education, we've a new campus in Technological University Dublin. And only this week, we made further good decisions in relation to new student accommodation. Those are positive things that are happening. We have a number right. of issues which we'll make progress on. But there will be delays, won't there, to a number of projects in the plan? Uh, there are some delays, uh, but it is, I think, to be expected when you are investing over 12 billion euro in delivering new projects, that not every project unfolds in the way you want. And the reason for that is we're experiencing now such change in the cost of raw materials and due to the war in Ukraine. And of course, we have continual challenges in getting enough and the right people to do the work that we want. But Anya, very briefly, I just do want to emphasise again, in spending this money, it is delivering new schools, is delivering new universities, better public transport across the country, and critically, is also leading to more homes being built while knowing we need to deliver even more. Finally, you're opening a Garda station on O'Connell Street today. I know the state of the city centre is an issue that's been raised uh, several times in the Dáil uh, and indeed covered by this station. You're a walker. You've walked around the city centre. The state of Dublin City at the moment, what's your thoughts on that? Well, Dublin, I believe, is uh, uh, the best city in the world. Uh, I'm very lucky to live in the heart of it. Very, very privileged to represent Dublin Central, which is... The closed shops, the people on the streets. Uh, Again, Anya, uh, I think when we're acknowledging what you need to do better and the difficulties we have, I always do like to make the case for what is still great about our city. And there are many, many things that are great about our city. But yes, you are correct. If you look at where we are in streets like O'Connell Street and Henry Street, it's clearly not where we would want it to be. We clearly do have difficulties with antisocial behaviour, particularly in the evenings during the week and at points in the weekend. It is why we have ambitious plans to recruit more Gardaí for this year, over a 1,000 Gardaí, over 400 additional staff to support those Gardaí. But we need to do better in the city centre, which is why I think it is an important moment in a city that I love, that I love living in, that I'm proud to represent, that we're opening up a new Garda station in the heart of it. Minister for Public Spending and Reform, Pascal Dunham. Thank you, Thank you.